Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, healthcare is all of our business. It's one of the biggest industries in the United States, and it's something that we're, you know, we want the best that we can possibly get, yet we're also terrified of what the cost is going to be. My go-to expert when it comes to all things uh, really health care providing is uh, Dr. David Wilcox, and he has been a longtime regular on the program. Uh, he is uh, a doctor-prepared nurse. That's what his, uh, his doctorate degree is in and has such a unique perspective, uh, both from a, uh, a professional and academic perspective, but a personal perspective when it comes to the cost of health care. And he's very adamant about making, uh, helping people to be the best consumers possible. And a lot of it comes down to your own personal experience and what your wife uh, and, I mean, what you uh, have went through, rather, with your uh, your daughter. Talk a little bit about yeah. that, and let's just move right into our topic, which I never thought of that, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's correct. Um, we have a handicapped daughter, and, um, and, you know, back when I was a young man, we had children early, um, I would have to take my daughter around to various doctor's appointments, and I really appreciated the health care team that took care of her, but I could see, even at the age of 19, that there were limitations within the system that would allow, uh, allow her to either receive or deny her care. And so um, when I had the chance later in life, I was working in manufacturing, um, to go back to school, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. And I started there, and then I went on this fantastic journey, taking care of patients, um, being a part of somebody's life and being a part of their health care and hopefully a pleasant memory for them into administration work and in finally ending up with my doctorate degree and becoming a patient advocate, which I think I was a patient advocate all along, but it's just more, it's more of a title now for me. <laughs> well, you're, you're a, a much more educated one as well, right? You've got a lot of yeah. training both practically and academically, which is crucial. Now, this topic to me is fascinating. Never even thought about it before. Healthcare in the air. Um, you know, things happen when people travel. And it's interesting how the rules apply to healthcare in the air versus to on the ground, particularly here in the United States. Why don't you go ahead and set the state for us? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, 2015 New England. Journal of Medicine article states that medical emergencies occur in one out of every 604 flights. Um, and you're very well protected. You're very well protected because in 1998, Congress passed the Aviation Medical Assistance Act as many healthcare providers were hesitant to provide aid as they weren't sure what the legal liabilities were. Unfortunately, you know, in this country, that plays into your healthcare. It really shouldn't, but it does. Um, so this act mandated a standard minimum medical equipment list for all U.S.-based aircraft and provides physicians, nurses, EMTs, paramedics, and any other health care providers immunity from lawsuits as long as they're rendering aid in good faith without gross negligence. This basically means that you're acting within the scope of your training. So in the air, you're protected, right? And in true fashion, my wife, who's a a nurse also had some, has a neurointensive care nurse background, and I, we get on a flight, and uh, we're going from Charlotte to London, and we're on holiday, and we're, we're going to end up in Portugal. We have to connect in London. And so we get on this flight, and, you know, we're settled in, had a 
glass of wine. They put a meal in front of us. We're just getting ready to eat. And all of a sudden we hear this, code red, code red. And I looked at her, and being a hospital administrator in a previous life, I'm thinking, there's a fire on this plane. And my wife, she says, um, you know, in, in the ICU, that means somebody's bleeding out emergently. So we're scratching our heads, and then the next call comes, and, and they say to us, all medical personnel to the galley. I look at her, she looks at me, you know, we're just starting our holiday. <laughs> I said to her, crap. I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So I got up out of my chair and went, and she followed shortly thereafter. And, uh, and we came in, and there was a couple of medical doctors there and an emergency nurse and a couple other, and one other nurse. And so we're trying to take care of this rather large guy who has, is definitely needing oxygen. We can see he's blue around the lips, trying to get the equipment going, um, you know, because although they're supposed to have a standardized equipment and they're set up very well for cardiac emergencies. So if you're going to have a heart attack, you're, you're probably going to survive that. But anything else, you've got to hunt and pack to find all the medical equipment. Um, so it, it was very interesting. And um, fortunately or not fortunately for me, uh, you know, being somebody who had run several codes during the hospital when I was there, um, I, you know, they, there was nobody taking charge of the situation. So I took charge of the situation. My wife worked to get the medications, and we worked with uh, other clinicians but the thing about it that struck me was once we got this guy stabilized, you know, the purser comes up to me and he's the guy who's, you know, uh, reports to the pilot and he's handling the whole crew on the plane. And he says, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, well, I looked at the medical doctor and I said, I think we need to set this plane down and get this guy off it. There's no way he's going to make it to London like this. And uh, he goes, I agree. So I turned to him and said, have the pilot land the plane. And, uh, and then in that moment, I thought, holy cow, you know, um, I just told the pilot to land this huge jetliner. I'm screwing up everybody's holiday, but it was the right thing to do for the patient. And then I thought about, you know, if this was an insurance company, they would be telling me, uh-uh, you're, you can't land that plane because we've got X, Y, and Z. And I thought to myself, this is really healthcare in the purest form because you respond and you don't have to respond. So in that situation, you do not have to respond. If you choose to respond, you can. And, um, you know, we felt a moral obligation to get up out of our chair and interrupt our holiday to help a fellow human being who was in need. Um, but it was just pure raw health care. The clinicians made the decisions. Once we found an oxygen tank that worked, we got this guy semi back around um, and he was a little combative. So we, we gave him a dose of Benadryl. I am. My wife did after she found it in the medication kit and, um, you know, stayed with him until the EMTs came on in JFK and took him away to get the care that he needed. Um, but it was raw, it was pure, uh, no repercussions. The guy will never get a bill. That's why I said that this kind of care is priceless, right? He'll never get a bill. He just had concerned clinicians that stepped up to the plate to care for him so that, so that he would have an optimal healthcare outcome. Um, and then we continued on our holiday. Yeah, and this is clinicians being clinicians. This is what they do naturally. You know, and unfortunately, all the distortions, all of the weird things that are happening, all of the, uh, the insanity is because of distortions, I think, largely created by insurance companies and by government. Um, you know, and, and the insurance companies like to blame government. Government likes to blame insurance company or big pharma. But it really is a perfect storm. 
Yep, it is. And, you know, with the FDA having two-thirds of its budget come out of the big pharmaceutical companies, I mean, they're incentivized to, you know, allow things in the food chain that might not make you so healthy so that they can treat you with medications. And once they get you on a medication, you could be on it for life. So it's a, it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, so it was, you know, like I said, it was just very interesting to think about the compassion about the people who got up and, you know, the rest of the the flight, people on the flight were just like, hey, thank you for that. Or, you know, they'd say, I'm really concerned. Is that guy okay? And it was just like, you know, everybody knew what was going on, but and everybody realized it was going to interrupt their holiday if they were connecting in Heathrow. But, you know, nobody complained about it. Got to love that. You know, you get down to it. The media, of course, loves stories about how horrible humans are. Uh, but the reality is, is there's a lot more compassion out there, a lot more interest in others, and uh, that we want to, you know, that we don't give credit for. And uh, I think this is a great example how how really the best comes out of people, unfortunately, in the worst circumstances. So, you know, um, it's a phenomenal story. What what are some takeaways? What are some thoughts about it, reflective thoughts as we wrap it up, and, and also give your website as you wrap it up on uh, lessons for the larger health industry. Yeah, so the, um, the big takeaway from that is healthcare in the air is done right. So we figured it out. Congress in 1998 figured out how to protect clinicians who are otherwise skittish due to the amount of lawsuits that happen. They figured out how to do that. They standardized what kits should be given, even though those kits really need some work um, or maintenance schedule. I'm not sure I'm going to actually write to the medical director of American Airlines about it. But um, so, yeah, so here it is. There's no bill involved. It's people who step up to the plate, and, it, and it's just seamless, right? As long as you can stabilize a person, it's seamless. You don't have to worry about it. Um, Equipment could be better, like we said, but that is figured out. So if we've got healthcare in the air away from the healthcare entities that seek to, you know, make a dollars off from you, like the insurance companies and, and the pharmaceutical companies, we can do it on the ground. It's just that everything is so embedded, you know, all everybody's interests are embedded in getting money from these big groups so that they can continue to run their campaigns. And it's, you know, it's all over both sides of the aisle, so it's hard to get anything to pass. Um, but I, I thought it was a beautiful thing. And I think that um, if we can get it figured out in the air, we can get it figured out on the ground. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's a, uh, something we need to aspire to. It's so incredible how hard it is to get people taken care of. And the horror stories of people who are far more damaged by the time they go to the doctor just because they were terrified. Not so much by going to the doctor, but the cost that could happen if they didn't get what they, you know, they got a terrifying report uh, from the doctor, and, and there's got to be a better way. Uh, David, we always love you sharing and uh, teaching us a better way. Best uh, website to get more information? Go to drdavidhelps.com. Um, sign up for my newsletter. I'll send you a free healthcare resource guide and we can stay connected up there. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you do that. David Wilcox, thanks so much for being with us. I am Kevin Price, and you are listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business.